right, everybody, welcome to the 284th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in sunny Rip City, and I got my man. Sage chilling here live and direct, enjoying the uh, SEC tournament right now. And uh, it's been an enjoyable few days of just watching college basketball. So I am very excited to talk about a outstanding shooting guard prospect out of Kansas, Ochai Ibaji. Abaji is six, five and a half, weighs 214 pounds. He will be 21 at the time of the draft from Kansas City, Missouri. He is a bit of a late bloomer, uh, a three star by rivals when he uh, came to Kansas, ranked just the 145th player overall uh, nationally. Um, he actually entered the 2021 NBA draft, returned to Kansas for his senior season after getting some not so flattering uh, feedback. He spent the summer actually training with Damian Lillard and his uh, personal trainer, Phil Beckner. Um, he's also uh, a multi-sport athlete, played soccer until his junior year in high school. Uh, and like a lot of these prospects, basketball is in his DNA. His mother, Erica, played basketball at Wisconsin-Milwaukee from 91 to 94. His father, uh, Olufu, played basketball also at Wisconsin-Milwaukee in 91-92. And his sister, Ori, played volleyball at the University of Texas. Uh, some accolades so far for um, Abaji. He's a two-time All-Big 12 honorable mention. In 2020 and 2021, he's surely going to be first team this year, likely the player of the year. Uh, He's a two-time all-academic Big 12, and he is extremely durable. Heading into this year, 77 consecutive starts in 83 games played. Uh, Kansas is one of the perennial blue bloods, and they are living up to that uh, tradition this year. They are currently 26-6. and They are ranked sixth in both the AP and coaches polls. Uh, they play later tonight in the Big 12 semifinals. Uh, so there's a lot on the line for them in terms of possibly getting a number one overall seed, especially with Baylor losing and Auburn losing. So that opens the door for them to kind of walk through and get a number one seed. On the year, Abaji is averaging 19.7 points, uh, shooting 47.7% from the field, 40.5 from downtown, 77.2 from the line. He's doing that in 35 minutes uh, per night. Some of the other statistics, a little over five boards, half a block, one and a half assists, almost a steal per game, and a player efficiency rating of 21.9. The game we are going to be discussing exclusively is uh, the double overtime thriller against a really good Texas Tech team from January 24th. Um, It is a game in which... uh, it went into double overtime, uh, as I mentioned. Abaji played 46 minutes, had 37 points. I believe that's a season high uh, for him and a career high. He was uh, 13 of 23 from the field, 7 of 12 from downtown, also grabbed uh, seven boards, uh, handed out two dimes, only committed three turnovers in those 46 minutes of action, got to the line eight times, only able to convert on four. But 
as is the case uh, as we get into later in the college season. Sage and I have both uh, now started to see players multiple times. So if we, if we reference something, uh, it's probably going to be from this game, but we've also seen multiple games um, from Abaji uh, this year. So uh, one other thing I would like to mention before kicking it over to your thoughts is since he is a prospect, that declared for the NBA draft last year, we actually have combine measurements, which is something we haven't had in any of our future Fridays. So at the combine just a year ago, barefoot measured six, four and a half, six, five and a half in shoes, a really solid six ten wingspan uh, for a player of his size, uh, eight, seven, five standing reach, uh, 215 pounds. So you can see the measurements are uh, about as accurate as they come. With that said, Sage, uh, what jumped out at you when you're uh, evaluating uh, an older prospect um, like uh, Ochaya Baji? I've had uh, priors to him. Like I, I've, I remember seeing him at as a freshman being just this energy player that would dive on the floor and just risk his body, and to see the the development from just a raw athletic prospect to a really good defender who doesn't take unnecessary risks is it's really cool to see what, you know, four years of college can do to a, a, you know, a prospect, because I think if, if Ochai went as a freshman or a sophomore, he would be an undrafted free agent, but now he's made himself a first, uh, a first contract guaranteed fully because he'll be, he'll definitely be a, a first round draft pick. I mean, the thing that stands out to me is the shooting, like, he's one of those off ball scorers that teams that have that, that elite playmaker need like the relocation in what he can do. Like he finds open spaces to be at, to shoot the DN three has been put out there as like a, a, a archetype for players, but let's be real. A lot of those DN three players aren't good enough shooters to really deserve that. Ochai absolutely shows the ability to be a DN three player because of the consistency the the amount of threes he has taken the versatility of threes that he's taken i believe in that shot so much that i i think he's going to be a dean three guy i think he's going to be a legit dean three player with versatile shooting like the the movement the, the catch and shoot the off the dribble stuff like he is going to be a good shooter in the next level and that's what makes me believe man yeah, I would say the thing that jumped out at me first was he, I think he's an elite catch and shoot shooter. Mm-hmm. So in, in the game we saw, I, I took reference. So we had 37 points aside from free throws. Every one of those buckets, but three came off of catch and shoot. So that that's his bread and butter is spotting up, waiting for a play to develop and hitting the open shot. So I, I, I love the, the release. It's incredibly quick. Not a lot of movement on it, which kind of reminds me a little bit of AJ Griffin. Uh, if you're talking about prospects from this class, where uh, you get a good good amount of consistency, as you can reference from the the plus forty percent from downtown shooting motion, actually reminds me of a former Trailblazer, uh, Wesley Matthews. Um, it just it's really compact, not a lot of movement. Um, even has kind of that same body type. So I kind of had to do a couple of double takes. Uh, but but I, I think that's the thing that jumps out uh, right off the bat. And in, in the modern NBA, there's no skill set greater than being able to space the floor. So I think that's going to get him drafted regardless of how you feel about 
anything else he brings to the table. Like, right. Like in the, in the modern NBA, that's, that's the box that unless you're seven feet tall, every team is going to want you to be able to do is be at least a league average shooter from, from downtown. And if he gets into the right situation where he's not being asked to be the man or to create his own shot, like if you put him with a playmaker, like Anthony Simons or Damian Lillard, Mm -hmm. You're, you're going to get those those options. Even Yusuf Nurkic will be able to find uh, a Baji in, in those 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 corners. And you look at what Nasir Little was able to do, the looks that he was going to get. Abaji is going to get the, those similar looks. And so you need players that can fill in a role. So while I, I don't believe in his uh, necessarily ceiling to become a perennial All Star, I think he's one of the safer prospects. Mm-hmm in this draft and it's really all predicated on his ability to just catch and shoot. And I don't think that's necessarily um, a bad thing when you're trying to fill in, in roles, like not everybody needs the ball in their hands, especially if you're a team like the Blazers who have two dominant ball handlers already. So you need players that can kind of just know their role. Don't take up a lot of usage, but they're incredibly efficient in the type of looks that you want out of the, the half court. Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be a low-usage, high-efficiency player. I mean, at Kansas, he has to dribble the ball a lot and set up offense. I, I truly don't think that that's going to be part of his game in the next level. I think he's going to be that off-ball shooter. I mean, I, I think he's really smart as that as a basketball player because he finds the the open space really well. And as as zone defense has been more popularized in the NBA, finding that open space to get off a shot is going to be really important because I'm just thinking in my mind, a Dame and Nurk pick and roll, Dame is driving to the lane and he has spotted up Ant, Abaji, and let's just dream big and say Jabari yo, there's going to be space for him to operate. I I think the Blazers right now have done a really poor job of getting spacers. So in this draft, man, I I think getting guys that are competent and better than competent shooters is a must. Like, I I, I don't think we can get, like, the Jalen Durans of the world on this team because right now, like, I – I think we have two and a half shooters as Josh Hart being the half because a lot of the guys that we have just can't shoot. So that's the spacing, the create making life easier for Dame is going to be huge. And Abaji with that shooting ability and the versatility in his shooting, like a lot of it's off the catch, but like it's not standstill catch. It's like, let me move to that open space set up and shoot. So it's, he is a true, true, legit shooter. And I I mean, the, the superstar thing isn't isn't with Obaji because of his age and I think the the the, the lack of playmaking. Oh, at, at 14, 13, wherever we wherever the New Orleans pit goes, you're just trying to have somebody that can be an NBA player. Like I remember the statistic. Like ten percent of the tenth overall pick get is good enough to get that second contract with the team. So I, I th- feel like Baji is very safe, and for the Blazers, I think he should be raised a few tiers just because of the shooting ability. 
I think you're higher on a. Oh, I, I definitely think I'm higher than, than I am. Like I, I wouldn't touch him in, in the lottery if it was a weaker guard crop, shooting guard crop. I, I think he gets raised, but because this is probably the best shooting guard crop I can personally ever remember. There's there's prospects littered up and down that first round that you can get. So I don't necessarily think you have to reach. Now, if, if you're a team that has just one pick and you're late in the first round and, and you need that, that guy off the bench, who's going to come in and space the floor. Uh, you're just like maybe one role player away. I definitely think you take him in that late first. If, if I'm Portland and you have that early second round pick, he's not going to fall there, but that's where I would be comfortable uh, taking him. I, I just think there, there's too many other guards especially that I like above him, especially if you're going to be picking. I mean, right now it's projected, I think, eight and nine. Uh, who knows how that ends up? But there are other shooting guards I would take ahead of him, and then I would look to fill uh, another area uh, with the other pick. Um, Do you me, feel I, more safe with Abaji than the G League guys? I So all disclaimers, I have I, G League guys are on my list to, to scout next. Mm. I mean, you, like you would assume so because he is a senior, um, and I do think he is a, a safe pick. What worries me about Abaji is I've watched him multiple times, and every time I watch him, he looks like a different player each time. So and during the Texas Tech game, lights out from downtown, but again, very limited offensively. The, the handle needs uh, an incredible amount of work. He was picked clean late in that first half of the game off of uh, one dribble move. Um, I think he was taken out of that game for stretches by a Texas tech with a simple face guard. Like there was no real attempt to go and say, Hey, let me go grab the ball. Uh, I need to kind of take this over and maybe create a shot for, for myself. Um, and as I mentioned, only three buckets came off of his own creation. He had a floater, a mid range pull up and a drive in overtime. You're putting, what, wasn't there the, uh, the, um, alley-oop that he didn't, I'm talking about for himself. He did have, he did have a nice uh, alley, but, and so, and when I saw that, I was like, okay, that's great. I, I need to see more of that because when I watched him this full game, I had the same initial thoughts that I did when I had, when I watched Benedict Matherin, almost everything came off of other creation. And now Matherin is, is now saying, okay, I need to go get the ball and I'm going to go make plays for, for my, my teammates. And I've seen that not just once I've seen it multiple times. So maybe it's the Kansas system that is uh, holding him down. And maybe he's a riser at, at the combine where they're able to play five on five. And maybe he's able to take his game up another level in the, the conference tournament, as well as the NCAA tournament, because, you know, I've seen him play and he had a really great game against Kansas state uh, led them to a comeback. And he was doing a lot of, you know, off of the dribble uh, curl, taking it to the lane I just, I didn't see that. So it's just a little bit of inconsistency, which worries me from a senior uh, player. So I think you can get away with that. If you're talking about like an AJ Griffin, who's just a freshman, you're like, okay, I can see there's three more years of, of, of growth and potential that he could grow into what I believe he can be that margin for error. When you're drafting an upperclassman just significantly shrinks, especially in terms of value at the draft level. So I think he's a safe prospect but I still want to see a little bit more. Um, I do think the pros for him is he has an NBA body uh, right off the bat. Although I would like to see him be more aggressive and rebounding the ball, uh, given his frame. Um, that's and the athletic ability. That, exactly. That, that's just something that I want to see from, from our guards. Like we've always referenced it. When CJ was at his peak, 
It was that playoff run where he was going in there getting seven, eight boards a night. Clearly, he was capable of doing it. I think Abaji is as well. I mean, he's got that that six ten wingspan. He's got that you know standing reach of over you know eight and a half feet, and he does have really good bounce. Um, what are your thoughts, Sage, about his defensive potential in in the NBA? Um, I felt like it was hard to get a feel for it because he rarely had on ball situations in this Texas Tech game. And to me, it felt like he was playing defense like I like Damian Lillard plays defense. Like whenever there was a switch, he's like, oh, no, I'm just going to stay with like he just passed off the switch every time. Maybe he was, you know, doing what he kind of did, what Matherin did in that game we, we watched against Illinois. Um, maybe he was conserving energy. He played a ton of minutes. But given that yeah. wing, yeah, given that wingspan, I, I just I wanted to see more of a dominance and in a, just an impact on that end of the floor. Like he has all of the physical tools that you want for him to be that, you know, he's got the three, but for him to be an elite defender, I think he has the tools. I I just need to see it kind of get, get switched on. Honestly, I I, I feel pretty good about him being a good defender in the league. He, He absolutely has the tools. And I guess in this game, he didn't, wasn't able to show it off, but in games that I've seen this year, it's been like, all big 12 level defense so yeah like maybe in this particular game i wasn't really impressed with what he did oh my god i just saw uh, an lsu player pass the ball off an arkansas player go to another lsu player and then him hitting a layup that's fantastic um but yeah i I, i'm very i'm very confident in the defense like he has the tools i I, I feel like he get he 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 has the ability to get physical with other players. Uh, yeah, the, the the defense is good. Like I I see him close out. He's really he gets into good position on help side. Like he uses two hands. I I'm pretty I feel pretty good about the defense. It's it might be the game. I like I don't remember in the Texas Tech game. I don't remember him doing particularly well. But I've definitely seen him lock players up and play really good defense. So in the D and three, uh, like archetype, I, I believe in both. Like, I think he can guard the point, the two and some threes. I, 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 I believe in that, uh, that defense and, you know, the safety in him as, as a, a defender, I, I feel like it's, he's going to be a good defender that you can put on balls at, at times. So yeah, I feel pretty good about it. But uh, maybe it's the tech game that was that was tough. That game was physical too, so you know, I, I kind of get it. Like if 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 you're that good at shooting, shoot them threes. Don't go into the paint. But I, I mean, like I, I've seen a lot of of skilled craft and finishing and great defense. So yeah, I I I would probably have him in the after the lottery first, like early early twenties, but. Again, if we're talking about this team in particular, I'm feeling like if if New Orleans goes on a run and is the ninth seed, comparing him to other players like in the G League, I feel really confident in Obaji actually hitting hitting some uh, form of you know quality in staying in the league. So I I, I am very into Ochire uh, currently. I think what I've seen is just a little too much inconsistency from uh, a senior. I mean, we, we both watched him on senior night against just a pretty good, I wouldn't say a great Texas team, you know, one of 11 didn't make his first bucket until 
uh, over time. Like he, he has these. So for someone who has such a beautiful jump shot, I am a little concerned at how uh, sporadic or how streaky he can be from, from downtown Um, over his last four games. He's only hit six threes in, in 20, 28 attempts. So he's definitely slumping. So I, I don't like for the tournament to be the end all be all, but in, in this case with a senior uh, and a potential one seed, uh, he could really raise his stock in my mind with, with a really strong showing. And I think that is because of, of the age. I mean, let's, let's put, put mm. that out there. If it's a, a younger player, you can kind of see, okay, you know, maybe if he was 19 and doing this, how high would he be in your mind? Top 10. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just what, what, what it is. Like you, these are almost like the, the player's, development years, their performative years, like where are they going to, to go? Like you don't really see many players make a big jump after the age of, of 23. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Uh, you look at a player like Anthony Simons kind of came in at 19. And, and by the time he's 22, 23, he's, he looks like an NBA player. Same thing with, you know, Gary Trent jr. Um, that that's kind of where it is. Maybe, you know, I think, Cam Johnson performing as well as he did currently for the Phoenix Suns is something that really, I think, helps Abaji in the draft. He is an older prospect. Cam Johnson is getting a lot better, even coming off the bench. And so that's where I I think if if you're looking at Abaji, like, okay, this guy can help us off the bench. He can improve. He may not have the highest of ceilings, but there might be some room to grow in, in years one through three in the league. And he's looking like a, a long-term piece um, either as your fifth starter or, you know, sixth or seventh man off the bench. Just think about who we've had off the bench in the, the Neil Shea era. I feel like Obaji is better than some of the shitters that we've had to watch in recent history on this, on this basketball team. So yeah, I, I don't think the star potential is really likely, but I think, somebody that knows their role and can help the star player of your team is worth that late lotto pick. If, if new Orleans goes on that run. And and like, I think that this draft is really good in terms of like one through or one through one through 11, it gets very questionable later in that lottery like are you really would you rather take that chance on kendall brown fitting into the scheme or would you rather have a guy that's scheme versatile that like i just think that he fits with players like the when when the blazers were great we had wings that fit around and did the small things to uh let damian and cj have their their star moments i think that obaji is one of those guys that is going to make life easier for Dame rather than hard. Like we've had guys like Kent Bazemore that have made Dame's life much more difficult than it needed to be. Hubaji is going to make his life a lot easier with the shooting and the the, the defense. So I, yeah, I I'm in I'm in it to win it. Like the fact that Obaji trains with Beck, I mean that has to be like if Dame allowed his you know trainer to work with him like i feel like they might be pulling for him 
I know after seeing what's happening with the Lakers and LeBron making GM decisions, I I want players to stay, stay away, especially if Dame really wants Jeremy Grant on the roster, like Jeremy Grant, Aiden, like let, let the GMs who excel in player evaluation, make those calls. You excel on the court. Like that's, so I I hope, I hope there is no pull from, from the player. Like we need to let the scouts do, do their job. I, I, yo, Dame, this one's worth the risk at 13. Or 14. I I just, I have a very low percentage of of Ochai ending up in Portland unless he falls to the second round. Right. I mean, we, we, Uh, I mean, most likely he does not know. Yeah. Because he's not going to fall to the second round, but Portland, if they have two picks and they don't, if they did the San Antonio trade, would you feel more? uh, I was about to say more better, but I guess I just did. Would you feel more better about Ochai in the 21st slot? Okay, so the scenario would be Portland moves up to the top four with their own pick. They take one of the bigs, Holmgren, Smith, or Banchero. The New Orleans pick is, let's say, 9 or 10, right? For me, if if Johnny Davis or Benedict Matherin are on the board, you don't don't blink twice. You hand that that, uh, envelope into the commissioner as soon as possible, and you take those players. If Davis, Shaden Sharp... Matherin are off the board. And then it's really between, okay, are we looking at Tari Eason? Are we looking at Jalen Duran? Are we looking at Jeremy Sohan? Or San Antonio really wants one of those three players. And San Antonio is uh, loaded with currently the 17th pick via Toronto and the 21st pick via Boston. So if they were to say, you know, we'll trade you 17 and 21 for 10, if that deal went through, I would not have a problem taking him, you know, 21. Okay. Okay, I, I like that. Like, <clears throat> most likely, Ochai is not a trailblazer because of where he is in terms of, you know, p- people's evaluations of him. But I think that because of the skill set, if a trade like that happened, I, I would be all about it. Honestly, if things shake out the wrong way and New Orleans is like the 13th, I would honestly think about it just because of the safety. But I, I I get what you're saying. The 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 I I think we're looking at the fifth starter on a team at best. And it's just it's also because it's such a fantastic shooting guard class. Like it's it's loaded, absolutely loaded. Like all almost all of my favorite prospects are are two guards. And if you're also looking at um, Abaji. Taking him on Portland made a lot of sense if we're looking at this in terms of the 2020 draft. You know, remember before Portland moved Trevor Ariza and the 16th pick, Portland had the 16th pick, and we did a lot of recon on that draft. There were a lot of pretty good shooting guards that I think prospect-wise are comparable to Abaji. You know, remove how they performed in the league, but if you're looking at, you know, guards like uh, Aaron Neesmith and Desmond Bain, we both would have taken you, maybe not Nesmith, but but I would have. Taken, I would not. I, I think that. Uh, but I would have taken much better than Nesmith or Bain at sixteen in that scenario. Like we had one player, we were really looking to find that you know draft ready player to come in off the bench. I would feel if that if that situation was this situation, I would feel hundred percent taking Abaji. I think given Portland's new construct. It, it, it's a little bit different 
just because there are two picks. We don't think the team is win now ready. Um, I, I don't necessarily know if you want to take a lottery pick on somebody who you're projecting to come off of your bench. Um, and that's maybe what they're, they're, they're maxing out as. So it's just the roles are, are a little bit different. I think he's a solid prospect. I would feel comfortable if I'm a, if I'm a team taking him past 20 um, just in, in this draft, but there are a lot of things to like. What do you think his, his floor is? Say, I feel like it's a guy that is a legitimate shooter. This might be the, the, the most telling thing of how I, I value him. Dante DiVincenzo, a guy that can start or come off the bench, is a good score, can contribute in a, a, a few ways on the team. So, yeah, I feel like maybe Dante might be a little higher than, like, the low end, but <clears throat> I believe in in Obagi enough to say he's could be better than uh, Dante DiVincenzo. I think my floor for him is another former Kansas Jayhawk, a player who I really liked coming out of the draft. Ben McLemore. Uh, ben McLemore. Yeah. Both, both had bounce. Both had beautiful looking jump shots. Both struggled to create their own shots and both were inconsistent. Uh, McLemore never lived up to that uh, top seven pick, but yet he's still in the league nine years later. So I, I think that's something that you're looking for a body. He's always going to be in the league probably for 10 years, just based upon like he can get hot. You know, we've seen Macklemore get hot during his tenure with the Lakers, the Rockets, Here. even this year with Portland, he's mm-hmm. had a couple of moments. So, you know, I think that's his floor, a player that just is never able to put it together, but is a good enough shooter to uh, find a, you know, at least a, a semi-rotation spot in, in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there, there definitely are some similarities. I, I think I believe in the defense a little bit more. So Benny Mac is great and has a role, but I don't think you, I feel like you can put Obaji in, in pretty high leverage situations and he'll, he won't get embarrassed. Like I think Ben Mac might, um, at seven middle of the road, I feel like it's buddy buckets with defense. I, I, I think Obaji needs to work a little bit on that, that the dribble craft to get to where buddy is because buddy has some like, dribble combos that can generate space enough for him to shoot. But the the thing about Buddy is he's going to get his shots up. He's going to uh, score a lot from three. So if Obaji can get that play craft up a little bit or maybe just be such a better defender than Buddy Buckets is that, that it makes up for the lack of handle. I mean, it, 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 except for Luke Walton's bad coaching, Buddy is a rotation player that can either start or come off the bench and just score. So I, I think Oshai can do that. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely have a similar body build. Um, my middle of the road is I got shooter, shooter on the floor. Anytime you play pickup basketball, oh, yeah, yeah. you there's always a player that comes in and says, I, you know, I, I got to guard him. Like you just, you have to stay on him. So that that's my, my middle of, of the road is any knockdown shooter. Like if you're, if you're thinking in terms of the Blazers, Walt Williams uh, in that 99 season was, was that player for Portland uh, early Gary Trent jr. Could not leave him open um, tries hard on defense. So that that's my middle of the road is just someone that a defensive uh, team has to pay attention to. And really there, there's too many players to, to list out there. 
Um, I think kind of Buddy Heald uh, falls into that that category yeah, as well. Like mm-hmm. you just you don't want to leave him open. Um, where do you think he maxes out at? I think my ceiling is might be lower than yours. Honestly, I, as much as I would love to say, like the ceiling, better buddy bucket, better buddy <laughs> healed. Like, I, what's what's a better buddy healed? Better shot selection, better efficiency. Like, what you got to define better? I, I feel like the the handling isn't as bad as what we've been saying. Maybe like the intelligence that Ochai shows gives me like I, I think he could be a more efficient better playmaking version of buddy heel that is top ceiling performance and that like that is a really good player if you can be a more efficient buddy heel that defends at a high level that's like a that's a luxury that a lot of teams can't afford at at any price really because once you find one of those Buddy Heald, West Matthew type of guys. It's like he's going to be on your team until he he gets really injured, and you know you have to make that price point just uh, price point decision. Yeah, my, my ceiling is someone you just mentioned. It is prime Wesley Matthews on the Blazers. Think 2013, 2014. Uh, just an absolute, uh, just dead eye from from downtown. Someone who brings it on the defensive end is a you know using his natural tools to become an all league defender, uh, someone who could essentially be the third best player in your starting lineup. Um, that's where I think he maxes out at is, is, is Wesley Matthews. And we knew Wesley, you know, God bless him. You didn't want him to put the ball on the floor though, just mm-hmm. catch and shoot, play fantastic defense. And I thought, I think prime West is probably one of the best three and D players the league has ever seen. I so, remember, uh, saying that he was the apple of my eye on that Blazers team. Like he is, what do you think the chances are that he maxes out at that? Like a two, three, four, 5% chance that he hits the West Maths ceiling? 10%. And what, what do you think the chances is that he's just a dead eye shooter that teams have to account for? I mean, I think that's over a 50% chance. So there's a 50% chance that he hits that 75 percentile in your eyes. Yeah, I think, like I said, he's a very safe prospect. I like he it. Just, I mean, he just needs to be more consistent. That's that's all I want to see from him. Like, um, I think he should be a better free throw shooter than he is, given his form and how well he's shooting from three. And that's gives me a little pause for concern because usually the the statistic that NBA teams use to translate three point success in the pros isn't three point percentage at the collegiate level; it's at the free throw line. So seventy seven percent. Uh, good. It should be better for someone who we're discussing in the same breath as Buddy Heald and Wesley Matthews and, you know, the, the likes of those types of three point shooters. So there are ways for him to improve, especially over the, the last stretch of, of this season. If he, if he, uh, if Kansas wins it all and he is like the major component of it, is there a chance that he rises in your uh, uh, opinion as a, uh, as a prospect? Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, I, I still will like those other shooting guards better because of what they can do. And I think they have at least a year or two of development uh, in them left or additional. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think personally for Ochai, he he's probably knocking on the doors uh, of the late lottery if that happens. Yeah. I mean, shit. 
let, let, let's go Kansas. I, I enjoy watching Kansas play basketball too. I think that they have, they have the players to do some uh, really cool things offensively. Like, I mean, that, that team scores at a really high clip and plays at a good pace too. So I feel like they have the guard play and okay. Bigs like they can make a tournament run and Ochai probably has to be a major player. Um, it, since it's tournament time now, is there a player that we covered that if they have that dominant, can they move up like majorly? Like who is the biggest riser if they have a good tournament uh, showing out of all the guys that we've talked about? So we've talked about basically everyone in the top 10, except for, for Ty Ty Washington. So of the guys we've covered, um, I think you're looking at Benedict Matherin. I'm surprised he's, I still see him mocked late lottery. Like he's the player of the year in the Pac-12. Arizona ran through. Are you looking at Tankathon when you're talking about that as the yes. reference? I I feel like they're like one or two mocks behind. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of. I mean, that's the thing. Is like we're kind of draft junkies right now, and I don't think a lot of uh, publications like Sports Illustrated or CBS they're, they're putting out the mock drafts on uh, a biweekly yeah, or exactly. bi-monthly like, basis. They have the but, wisely but in guy. general though. I feel like a lot of people have Ivy as, as the, as the clear lead guard. Then you've got, you know, Shaden Sharp as the unknown uh, Johnny Davis and AJ Griffin uh, really high up there. And then there's kind of Benedict Mather and just like kind of back there. If Arizona wins at all and he is leading the charge, I think you're going to see, I mean, I kind of don't want that to happen because I, I want to draft him at 10 or 11. So I don't want him to perform too well. Uh, but he he's the guy that I could see rise um, really high. Uh, if you're looking for another kind of a dark horse, uh, Jalen Duran from Memphis. Memphis has been playing some good ball lately, uh, especially if he goes up against, you know, a Gonzaga team or an Auburn team, even Kentucky with, with Shibway. And he's able to uh, impact the game without really, you know, scoring the ball. NBA teams are going to see, okay, that, that translates. So I think he has a really high chance um, – to move up the boards and, and the opposite, uh, th- those Duke, those Duke kids, uh, Banchero and Griffin, um, they have just been playing some awful, awful basketball lately as a team, uh, probably should have even lost to Syracuse without Buddy Bayheim uh, yesterday and got embarrassed by Carolina um, at Cameron indoor on coach K's final game. Um, they need to figure it out. Um, I don't know if it's on those players, if it's on the coaching staff, but just giving the ball to Banchero and clogging up the lane and him not being able to, to shake like he was in the earlier part of the season, um, a little worrisome. And if you're AJ not being on the floor to close out games for him personally, that's worrisome as well. I personally think he should be on the floor, but if he's not, that's like, okay, what's, what's kind of going on here. So I, I really look at those two moving up and then those two uh, are, are players that I could see potentially uh, move down a bit. Now, not a lot like Paolo's probably not going to fall out of the top five, but I, I think you start to see more separation, especially if, uh, you know, Chet really has a good performance. Cause I think Chet's probably cemented in the top two, but he could maybe take over number one. If he goes up against uh, another big and just shows the world what he's capable uh, of doing. What, what do you think? I think Johnny Davis, like, A lot of the draft sites that you look at have AJ and have uh, uh, Ivy over him. If he just, if he, if Wisconsin wins, it's because of 
Johnny Davis just absolutely dominating possessions and hitting some tough shots. So you, you could see, like, if Wisconsin wins at all, I think Johnny Davis moves into that that top five. Um, hmm. I mean, he's like, in my personal personal top five. So um, I, yeah, I, seen, I, I mean, was, he's, that he's Wisconsin a, team is buns, and the fact that he was uh, first Big Ten Player of the Year in the best conference in America. Um, that, that says a lot to me. We forgot to mention a player that I don't think neither of us are incredibly high on. I think I'm higher on, but if, if Keegan Murray goes on a run where he is able to do it in a, in a sense of not just, okay, I'm going to go in the paint and I'm going to punish smaller foes, but if he's creating off of the bounce, shooting a lot of jumpers, um, defending at the level that we know he can, if, if Iowa goes on a run, I was another team that's, I think, lacking a lot of talent. But if Yeah, I think run, that's going to be the tougher part is at least Johnny Davis has the ball in his hands more. They have to work to get Keegan his, his touches in the spots that he likes. Like, I think Keegan could go top five, top six if he has a really good, good, good run. I wouldn't say I would take him there. I could say that's where he would go. You're looking at a possible national player of the year. If he gets him to the, the elite eight, teams are going to pick him. Fair enough. I... I I, I, I do agree that if Iowa does well, but I just don't bet on Iowa because that team sucks without without the Murrays. That team's pretty awful. I know, but we're we're seeing a lot of bad basketball from some supposed good teams early on in these conference tournaments. I mean, so yeah. it's a crapshoot, bro. Yeah, it's tough when like there's players like Johnny and Keegan that are just like so incredibly better than the teammates surrounding them. To like, if if I was a opposing college coach on uh, going against Iowa, I would be like, all right, we're, we're just Double. doubling. Let like let, let let's be aggressive in Keegan Murray not beating us. I feel like Johnny Davis just because he has the ball more can do can potentially have that. Like we know that Wisconsin cannot win a game without Johnny Davis just his fingerprints everywhere. So yeah, I, I would say those two could be potential risers. Um, like the, the the thing is, like if Easton has a good uh, thing, he, he could. There's some players that the the team's just going to be such a net negative that even if they do uh, that, that individual player does well, the team's not. Like LSU has like three guards that shoot under twenty two percent from three. Like how are they going to if they can't? They have to like play great defense and make it the dirtiest game ever. If a team jumps out to a huge advantage, what's LSU going to do? So there's some, there's just some teams that suck so bad that even if their star player does well, it might not matter. You have anything else you want to talk about or. uh... All right. Um, Are we doing the Baylor boys next? I believe so. All right. I like it. Um, uh, enjoy the tournaments that are happening. There's a lot of good college basketball out, and with the Trailblazers uh, really sucking, this is a really good chance to, for pe- people to get their first glances at some of these players that we've talked about and other players that are going to do very well in these tournaments and in the the uh, actual tournament. I think the Holy Backboard is going to have a tournament challenge, so if you want to go up against us we will be setting that up soon um enjoy the rest of your friday and onto the weekend and we are out of here
Peace.